Welcome to the Throwing Bagels podcast. I'm Chris Daglas, and I'm joined as always by Kevin Mooney. Kevin. How's hey, Chris. And Jason Hamo. Jason, what's up? How you doing, Chris? Doing very well. Uh, before I introduce our uh, guests here, I wanted to say that uh, I suck at making predictions, and I'm very disappointed with the uh, U.S. women's national soccer team. But we'll get to that later. <laughs> First, this is our 20th episode. And how exciting to have a guest on the 20th episode uh, that I regard as a fantasy football guru. He is uh, part of the Two Point Stance pod, the PFF on Sirius X on fantasy, fantasy football hustle, fantasy writer on Fighting Chance Fantasy, and has been nominated twice for Fantasy Football Article of the Year by the Fantasy Sports Writers Association. Please welcome Brian Drake. Brian, welcome. Thank you guys so much for having me. This is a really cool podcast. I'm so glad you guys are doing this because we all went to Oswego and kind of overlapped at different times and worked together at WNYO and TOP. So to see you guys come back and, and do this and some of the amazing guests you guys have had, it's super fun. And to have myself on here, I'm like, wow, this is really cool that uh, somebody thought enough of me to have me come on the Throwing Bagels pod. And uh, yeah, I'm looking to mix it up here. I, I'm excited. You guys always have some fun content. So I'm eager to get into it yeah we're very now, excited now you've made you it on. brian now you've officially made it that's right i mean <laughs> <laughs> well and for i do want to say congratulations on your success with all the fantasy football stuff that you're doing that's awesome thank you man yeah it's uh you know what it really was is i got to a point where i was just doing a sales career and i always loved being on the radio and i kind of dabbled in it here and there but there i mean you guys know there's no money in it and mm. you're never going to get rich being on the radio or working in any aspect of radio. Uh, so I parlayed off and I went into sales and then probably around 2016 or so, I'm like, you know what? I want to get into this. I want to start talking fantasy and I start talking NFL and I got hooked up with some guys and you know, we can get into the story later, but it's so easy nowadays because anybody can buy a microphone, can have a laptop, can put a show out on YouTube or any of the great podcast apps. And if you're interesting enough and you can make a few connections, you know, you can you can have a lot of fun with it and go some places. And I'm, I've been very lucky to um, connect with some great people along the way. And I've done shows now on Sirius XM for a few years. And uh, I'm working with my one of my heroes in the fantasy industry, John Hansen, the guru from FantasyPoints.com. He's brought me in doing shows with him and his uh, bunch of lads over there at Fantasy Points. And and I'm even going out this very weekend. By the time you folks hear this, I'll be in Canton, Ohio at the Pro Football Hall of Fame for the Fantasy Football Expo, where I get to do a draft with the likes of Mike Clay and Brad Evans and every big name in the industry. I think Matthew Barry will even be out there. Uh, and little old Brian Drake from Oswego, New York, somehow uh, has <laughs> weaseled his way into this league. But uh, there I am. Well, we can we can stay there, though. What, so what got you on the fantasy football? Like what what? drove you there you know i just saw it as a niche that well, now is very overserved. Mm. but at that time back in 2016 2017 i just felt there wasn't a lot of personality in it there was a lot of stat nerds and people who love fantasy football and there's nothing wrong with that but i mean you guys know me and kind of even the content that i was doing back at oswego is you got to have a little flair to it. You got to have a personality. You got to be able to connect with, you know, kind of Joe Sixpack out there. And uh, I, I thought as a host, I could bring something to the table. And that's sort of what I've done is I've become a, a host to some really smart analysts, guys like Dwayne McFarland, 
who now works with Matthew Berry at Fantasy Life, worked at Pro Football Focus for a long time. And I kind of tee these guys up. I'm, uh, you know, they're my straight man. I kind of just, you know, mix it up a little bit and make sure I'm prepared. I'm the, the king of the segue and I can crowbar in any ad read that I need to based off whatever they were just talking about. That's kind of become, uh, you know, my little um, forte, my little niche in the business. But yeah, it's just, I loved it. It, it was Let's talk about niche while we're at it, because you guys have a great niche right here with uh, talking Oswego State and some sports and a little nostalgia and all that fun stuff. But if you look at what connects out there in any sort of podcast, it really is the niche market. It's find people who are extremely passionate about that one thing. If you drill it down to, I want to talk about the Mets. I want to talk Rangers hockey. I want to talk MLS. And I like, you know, the New England Revolution. You can find people who are really passionate about that. They don't want the macro takes of Stephen A. Smith's of the world and, and Colin Cowherd, but if you drill it down to that level, I mean, that's where you can really make a following and, and fantasy football and kind of some of the stuff that I was doing with, with Dwayne and now Joe Dolan and uh, John Hansen is, is kind of served us well. So how did you connect with, with uh, Dwayne McFarland and, and start the podcast? All through Twitter. I'll never call it X. That's the dumbest thing ever. We can talk branding <laughs> for days here. But so I, I got into to Twitter and how I got started in fantasy is a guy I was following, my good friend now, Ryan Hallam, who was running Fighting Chance Fantasy, um, put out a thing. Hey, uh, Steve Gardner of USA Today. You guys might know him. He's a big uh, sports writer for them dropped out of a mock draft they were doing or whatever beginning of the season. He's like, I need somebody. This draft kicks off in like five minutes. Who's in? I just happened to be on my phone, saw it at that second, sent him a DM said, I'll do it. And he thought I was a sports writer or whatever, because I responded to it. And so I got in the draft and afterwards I did a little write up for him. And he's like, who do you work for? I'm like, nobody. I've never done this before. Like, what? what are you talking about? We let you in this draft. So uh, I started writing for for Fighting Chance, and it's really it's a free site that just kind of gives writers their shot to make it a, into the fantasy business. You can make as many articles or as few articles as you want. It really is your playground. We've had a lot of folks go on from there to, um, you know, RotoWire and Pro Football Focus and Establish the Run and all these different great sites. So I started working for those guys, and I, like, I really want a podcast. I got the equipment and I saw this guy, Dwayne, on Twitter. He had no followers. He was just some nerd spewing uh, stats into, you know, the echo chamber that is Twitter. So I hit him up. Hey, man, uh, you got some good stuff. You want to come on the show with me? He's like, yeah, I'll come on with you. All right. He had like 100 followers at this point. Today, he's got like 75,000. Oh. And we start doing the show. And every week, I was going to have a new fantasy analyst on with me. And, and Ryan goes, no, 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 no. He goes, this is the show. Because you and him, that that's the show. So do it again. So we started doing it again and again, and we did it for five years. Uh, and then he got hired away by uh, Matthew Barry. He called me one day. He goes, dude, you're not going to believe this. It's like Matthew Barry wants to hire me uh, to do this thing. I'm like, hell yeah, man. Like go, you know, follow, you know, follow your dream, do what you want to do. Um, so he did that. I got picked up with um, the good folks at fantasy points where I'm doing my stuff there. And yeah, the, the rest is kind of history. Uh, I'm not, not going to do the PFF Sirius XM show this year, much to my wife's delight, because <laughs> that took every weekend, every Sunday. I'm sitting in my basement watching multiple televisions, and then I have to do a show for the masses from, that was 7 to 9 Eastern. And 
it just it took a lot out of you. I mean, you guys are, are radio guys. You've been in it for a long time. You know, talking by yourself for two hours. That's very hard. Is taxing. Yeah. So thank God the first half an hour, there were still games on. I could just do live play by play. You know, it's like, <laughs> all right, oh, Mahomes is the five yard line. And you're talking fantasy terms and all this, but um, it's, it's a fun gig. I don't know how much longer I can do it, how much farther I can take it um, because man, there's so much technology that's breaking every day. And there's so many things you need to keep up on so many new apps and platforms and, I don't know. I'm old and I'm just not great at it. Like I just did my first TikTok the other day. I'm like, I'm never going to do this TikTok because TikTok as an app is very flawed. It doesn't have a good landing page. You open it up and it's just like, bah, 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 bah. you know, people in your face screaming left and right. I'm like, this isn't for me. I don't, I don't want to do this. Like, how do you search something? And then, uh, I said, all right, well, everybody and their mother's on TikTok. I might as well start putting out some content. So I had one of the guys at Fantasy Points. He edited some of my videos for me. I could put them up, make it look like they were very sharp. Uh, and now I look very professional. But uh, it, it really does take a village. As a bunch of guys who've worked behind the scenes here, I know you know you need great production behind you to look good. No question about it. And, um, you know, I, I can never say thank you enough to the people along the way who have helped me with graphics, with editing, with audio, um, you name it. And it really does take a village. As someone that has uh, struggled with Instagram, I am proud of you for getting <laughs> on the TikTok. All right. <laughs> yeah. You know what it was? I was at a amusement park and I'm just waiting there in line with my kids and you just look around. What's everybody doing? And everyone's on their phone and they're all it's TikTok. It's Instagram. You know, I love Twitter just because I'm an old journalism dork. And that's what is a huge news breaking journalism app is, is Twitter. Mm -hmm. But kids aren't on Twitter. There's still, if you want to reach the masses, really, you can do it on Facebook. There's so many people that are still every day on Facebook. You know, if, if you want to reach, we talked about Joe Sixpack talk, doing fantasy football. That guy is on Facebook for the most part. He's not on Twitter. You know, mm -hmm. if he is, he probably got ran off for his, you know, January 6th comments or something. So <laughs> uh, who knows? It's you got to just kind of fish where the fish are, I guess. So when you when you joined that fantasy football league and they realized that you were just some schmuck that was, you know, <laughs> you know, not <laughs> never done anything, right? You're like, "Well, I worked in I worked at Oswego State University." But like, <laughs> what did you like they were they eventually were just like, "All right, whatever." And they just kind of kept you along and that was it. Like they didn't think anything anything twice about it really. Ryan was so cool is because he Developed fighting chance with he and this guy, Jeff Manns, who now does, you know, he does tons of stuff on Sirius and uh, with fantasy guru. I think he is, but he's just all about developing people. And he's like, no, Hey, you want to come on? Like I'm, I'll bring you in. We'll bring in some other people and we'll just keep building the site. And to a, a much, much less extent, I've tried to do the same thing and, and help people along. And uh, if anybody wants an opportunity out there, if you're listening to this right now, you want to write about anything in fantasy sports, you know, you can find me on Twitter at Drake fantasy, Fighting chances at FC fantasy sports. Uh, really, it's just a way, just get the reps in. And I tell kids that all the time. If you want to just write and write and write, somebody will find you uh, because they want that portfolio. They want to see any employer out there wants to know that, you know, you anybody can do it once, but 
if I'm going to hire you to do a waiver wire article for me for 18 weeks of the NFL season, I want to make sure that you can do it. You don't get burned out by week four because so many people do. The NFL is a grind. As soon as Sunday ends, you think, oh, okay, the week's over. Well, there's the Monday night game still. Then, oh, now it's the waiver wire column on Tuesday. Well, Wednesday, people want the next week's projections already up. And then, you know, the start sit articles and there's injuries and, you know, you're adjusting the rankings and whatever other content you have. And, and there's gambling. I was doing this prop service last year, doing videos for these guys. And all of a sudden, you, you look up after a second, you go, oh my God, it's like week eight. I, I th- the season started yesterday. So it really is a grind. But if you want to get into it, hit me up. We'll we'll put you to work. We're not going to pay you. Trust me, they don't pay me over there. But uh, <laughs> we'll get you exposure for sure. It, it sounds like the really the key, couple of keys to success, whether it's podcasting or journalism, like writing for fantasy football or really any of it, it's to be consistent and to do your homework. And uh, I mean, clearly you've, you've done that. And uh, when you were talking about hosting the two hour show, one thing that came to my mind was uh, I used to host a three hour morning show on a local radio and I had, I was interviewing somebody and they said, boy, it must be nice to just work three hours a day. Oh, <laughs> I said, ah, oh jump through the volley and strangle them. There's a lot of work that goes on. Yeah. Behind that thousand word article or that two hour show, isn't there? No question about it. I mean, you've got to know so much because this was a national show where you'd have callers call in. You don't know where they're going to take the show. They don't know where I was going to take the show at the time. But you've got to know so much about all these teams. And you don't need to be in depth. Like, I think maybe Bob Costas mentioned that. It's like, you just got to know a, a little bit about a lot. Mm-hmm. So, you could ask me about any team in the NFL. I could give you the elevator speech about their fantasy, you know, prognosis for 2023. I'm not going to get into, you know, the Seahawks backup right tackle battle in camp or whatever because nobody cares, you know, but um just know enough to be interesting. And in radio and and media today, I think that that's a big key is you've got to be interesting because there's so many things battling for your attention. Uh, right. So going back to what you mentioned is you want to break into anything. It's you want to just be a content creator doing funny stuff on Instagram. I don't care. There's a million people that are doing that these days, right? It's you've got to be professional. You've got to look the part. And I made sure that when we started our podcast, I hired a guy by the name of John Gay, who you, I think you guys know, who is a former DJ, now does a podcasting consulting firm. And I went to him. I said, I want you to do my imaging. Uh, make it sound good. I went to my buddy, Jeremy Caro, who is the creative director of SNY for the New York Mets. And I go, can you make me these like cartoon motion graphics? It looks like a professional show when it opens up. The viewer has no idea. We're two schmucks in our basement who are literally just starting, (laughs) but we look like a real show. So if you look real and you sound real, people will buy it. Um, and then be your own fan. Be your number one cheerleader. Nobody cares about your show besides you. You guys know this with you know, throwing bagels. No one's going to be your biggest supporter outside of you three. So if you want to make anything happen, it's you knocking on doors, sending the show to people, you know, copying the link, putting it into a thousand different uh, you know, forums, wherever you can find, you know, for this is us we go. And but I would go into just random forums for fantasy football. Hey, here's the link for this. Here's this. Oh, you know, if it's a Raiders forum, we were talking about Devontae Adams. Hey, check this out. These guys are talking about Devontae Adams. It's me, but and put the link. You never know. If you can convert five of those people from the mm. 200 links you spammed out, that's going to keep building. So 
just believe in yourself. And, you know, I, what's this? There a stat where most podcasts don't make 20 episodes. Like you guys are 20. Congratulations. 90% of podcasts never make it to 20 episodes. Yep. You know, they realize, oh, wait, no, no one's listening or I ran out of topics or I don't have time. And so that's tough. So kudos to you guys. Barely, Thank barely you. anyone listens to us, but but we got topics to talk about, so we're good. <laughs> Hell yeah, there's always con- content, always content. We're just talking to ourselves half the time. It's okay, yeah. we're okay with that. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Let's actually talk. Let's dive into fantasy football itself. So, Brian, let's say let someone like me who's never done fantasy football, or maybe someone who's been who hasn't done it for several years. What are some of the top strategies you can recommend to put together a good uh, fantasy football team? First, go to fantasypoints.com and sign okay. up because I, I'm a company man. Uh, you know, we got cheat sheets and everything over there. But really, keep it simple. All right. A lot of guys have crazy strategies and I'm going to draft five wide receivers and then I'm going to listen, draft good players. If somebody like if you get to your draft and all of a sudden Christian McCaffrey falls to the fourth pick, it's not rocket science, folks. Take the best players. Uh, don't take too many players from your favorite team. A lot of guys go, hey, I'm a Giants fan. Fantasy is supposed to be fun. No, it's not. Fantasy is about winning and That's crushing right, your friends' <laughs> souls. That's what fantasy is about. So don't get bogged down. I'm an Eagles fan. I rarely ever have Eagles on my team uh, just because, number one, I know a lot about the team. So like this year, I'm not going to draft any of these Eagles running backs, but I would sure as heck take Jalen Hurts. Uh, you know, Take good players. Have fun. Um, don't go too off the board early. If you're in a draft, here's a little hint for you. Just load up on running backs and wide receivers. You know, tight end, unless you have Travis Kelsey, forget about it. They're all terrible. And quarterback is so deep. Unless you want to get Jalen Hurts, uh, Josh Allen, uh, or Patrick Mahomes, there's a lot of great ones. If you want to wait a little while, here's my sleeper of the year. He's not really a sleeper. He's QB7 off the board. Justin Herbert. With his new offensive coordinator, upgraded offensive line, Justin Herbert's going to be a top five quarterback in fantasy. The hardest thing to do, I've always found, is compensating with the with the bye weeks. You have to make sure the players don't know. Like, how many times have I drafted a team, and next thing I realize, I'm like, shoot, I have four guys on the same bye week. Now what am I going to do? You know, I don't even care about that. I never look at the bye weeks unless really? you have like you have you're, it's a two quarterback league or something like that. You know, and you're drafting a backup quarterback, make sure maybe at that point. But all these other positions, I don't care. Who The NFL is so fluid. You have no idea what the NFL is going to look like in week 8, 10, 11 when these teams go on by. Uh, you'll figure it out. Their waiver wire is so plentiful most weeks. You can go and find somebody who's going to give you, you know, 10 points off the waiver wire. So, you know, vary it up with your draft. Like I said, don't go too overboard like with your favorite team, as I mentioned, but just hammer away. Running back, wide receiver. Don't worry at your team of like, well, I don't have this position filled out of my starting lineup. It doesn't matter. Just keep drafting good players. If you get to the draft and you're like, everybody, every round that keeps coming to me, wide receiver is the best position available. Well, you know what? Keep drafting great wide receivers because people are going to get hurt. You're going to have a plethora of talent, and maybe you can trade some of these guys down the road. And you just you never know what's going to happen. Who's going to break out? Who's going to fall on their face? Like I said, who could get hurt? So never be afraid to have too much talent on your team. Uh, but yeah, don't look at your team and go, oh, it's the fifth round. I don't have a tight end yet. Well, so what? 
you know, find a, find somebody later. Just keep loading up on talent because at the end of fantasy football, talent wins. I have a, a stupid fantasy football question. Do you draft defensive players or are you selecting a team defense? There are leagues where it is called IDP, uh, Individual Defensive Player Leagues. I do not play in any of these. Those okay. people are masochists. They're <laughs> maniacs. <laughs> Seriously, that's yes, there are that's leagues. crazy. I don't think I could ever do that. I've played I've played in many fantasy leagues. I don't think I could ever do that. Oh, it's brutal. I, you try having a conversation with these people. You want to bang your head against the wall. And they're like, all right, well. This inside linebacker is going to lead the team in tackles. And then this, you know, box safety. I, I don't care. You know what I like? DeAndre Hopkins is going to catch 15 touchdowns. That, that's what I want to talk about. But for the most part, Kev, yeah, you're drafting a team defense. So say you draft, you know, the Buffalo Bills. You're going to get mm-hmm. points for their sacks, their interceptions. If they happen to score uh, a touchdown, that's great. Uh, really in fantasy for defense, you want teams that, sack the quarterback a lot uh, and can get a lot of turnovers, interceptions. So what teams are great at that teams that often have the lead teams with high powered offenses, mm-hmm. like Kansas city is always a great fantasy defense. Nobody ever wants to talk about them. Why Kansas city always has the lead in the second half. The defense pins its ears back and they're always coming after the quarterback in a pass rush, which creates fumbles, interceptions, chances for pick sixes. Uh, you know, you don't want some team their offense kind of middling and, and all that, but it'll be fascinating with the Jets this year. That uh, their defense is lights out, and their offense should be miles ahead of where it was last mm. year. Let's break it down a little bit. Top players at each position. So, who are your top players at quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end? Sure. So at quarterback, the top players are it's quarterback so deep are the guys who run a little bit. So you're going to get the Josh Allen. You're going to get Jalen Hurts. Those guys were fantastic. Patrick Mahomes last year, uh, you know, I believe he was number one in fantasy points per game. So those guys are always going to be great, but it's so deep. There's 32 teams in the NFL. Probably 20 to 25 are very viable fantasy assets. So you can wait in your draft. And, you know, Joe Burrow is going to go off the board early. But then you get to guys like I was talking about. Justin Herbert's going to be great. Daniel Jones last year was a top 12 fantasy quarterback because Danny Dimes runs. Now he's got Darren Waller. He's got Jalen Hyatt. People actually throw to this year. Uh, Daniel Jones will be very good for fantasy. Nobody wants to draft Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy's ADP, which is average draft position, is like double digit rounds. You can get Brock Purdy in like the 16th round of the drafts. Every game he played last year, except the NFC Championship game, he threw two touchdown passes. He has an incredible team around him. Mm. Nobody wants to touch Brock Purdy. So if you want to wait in your drafts, I'm totally fine with that. You can get Tua. You can get Dak. Like I said, Daniel Jones. And he's, how about Aaron Rodgers? Aaron Rodgers with Garrett Wilson and with uh, you know every guy he brought over from Green Bay in a U-Haul truck to play wide receiver <laughs> for the Jets. He's going to throw 30 touchdowns this year. Nobody wants to draft Aaron Rodgers except you, the smart fantasy manager. Uh, So running back's a different story. Running back kind of falls off a cliff. Christian McCaffrey's fantastic. Austin Eckler was the number one player last year uh, in a PPR setup. But Austin Eckler is smaller. He's going to get, you know, I think he's going to get less carries this year because their new offensive coordinator, Kellen Moore, not to get too deep in the weeds for folks, but they changed their offense in 
in LA. So the Chargers are going to throw the ball a lot more. Everybody's big on one name in fantasy. Everyone loves Nick Chubb because the Browns have a great offensive line. Another year with Deshaun Watson. They've got wide receivers on the outside to spread the field. And Nick Chubb can now dominate because there's no Kareem Hunt there with him anymore. It's just going to be the Nick Chubb show. And if you can catch any passes this year, God bless America. This guy catches three passes in a game. Uh, Nick Chubb will dominate. Um, At tight end, it's Travis Kelsey. After that, everybody, you know, light a candle, say a prayer. TJ Hawkinson, I like. Dallas Goddard, I like. Um, No George Kittle? No, I don't like George Kittle as much. Uh, especially when everybody's healthy, his target share with Brock Purdy, when all these guys were there wasn't great. And there's just too many mouths to feed in San Francisco with Ayuk and, and uh, Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey. So I don't like him as much. Maybe just maybe we can have Kyle Pitts come through for us this year. You guys remember <laughs> him. He's this unicorn out of Florida that plays for the Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons have this just, you know, idea in their heads that they don't want to have a quarterback that can throw the ball down the field. Last year, they had Marcus Mariota. This year, they got this kid named Desmond Ritter. It's going to be a struggle, but if there's anybody out there who is as talented as Travis Kelsey, it's Kyle Pitts, Uh, and you can probably get him in the seventh, eighth round of your fantasy draft. And wide receiver, you mentioned that. Wide receiver is so incredibly deep. There's a billion great wide receivers because it's a passing league now, folks. Mm -hmm. Uh, You just look in the first round of drafts when you take in Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, uh, even Garrett Wilson sneaking into the first round, Stephon Diggs, A.J. Brown. It goes on and on and on at, at wide receivers. So uh, just what I like having a balanced approach in my drafts. So through the first four rounds, maybe I want to have, you know, I always want to have a running back. Maybe then you get a receiver or two if you mix in a quarterback there. But um, you'll never run out of great wide receivers early in your draft. I feel like um, Cooper Cup is kind of falling a little bit. Like he's he's you know been an amazing receiver for a few, quite a few years already. But I everything I've heard people talk about, like I don't hear them talking about him as much. Like I feel like he's kind of like under, becoming somewhat under the radar, even though he's a top notch receiver. Yeah, he still has a first round ADP. He's got a hamstring injury right now, so people are a little wary of that. I did a video a few weeks back where I told people they should draft Cooper Cup number one overall. Before he got injured last year, I think that was week 10 or 11, he was the number one wide receiver in fantasy football. His target share is so far and away anyone else in fantasy football or just the NFL. I mean, look at that Rams team. They have no one. It's Hmm. Matthew Stafford. It's Cooper Cup. Cam Akers. I mean, go ask people on, on the street. Go to the bar tonight, folks, and go ask anybody. Name me three receivers on the Rams that aren't named Cooper Cup. There is not a person in the bar that's going to come up with Puka Nakua and Ben Skoranek. <laughs> I tell I you that right it. now. You can make some money. Is there but a Van like Jefferson the- in there too? A Van Jefferson? Van Jefferson is going to be the second target there uh, in, in L.A. So I think Van Jefferson is a late sleeper in some of your drafts. Uh, is not a bad name to have filed away in your cheat sheet. Same with their tight end, Tyler Higby. That team stinks. They have nobody on that team. Uh, they're going to be <laughs> behind in every game, and they're going to be throwing the ball a ton. I just worry about how long Matthew Stafford can stay upright because if he goes down and it's Stetson Bennett time, good luck. It's funny you mentioned uh, Nick Chubb earlier because I remember back in the last so last season I did fantasy because it was right pre-COVID, 
2019. And it was his rookie season. And I was like, I'm drafting him late. He's going to be my sleeper. No one's going to know about him. He's coming out of Georgia. And uh, I was like, him and Rashad Penny. I was like, those are my two guys. I'm going to take them. And I took Chubb and he literally did nothing for like the first <laughs> three to four weeks, right? Nothing. So I, I ended up having to drop him because I needed space on my roster. And of course, he then goes off like two weeks later. And that was the end of it. That was the end of the story. Next thing oh. you know, he's, you know, become the running runner that he is. And I was like, son of a. You know, I have I have a great story just like that about Odell Beckham. So I knew about OBJ as as a rookie. You know, and you know, if you're a Giants fan or anybody, you, you probably knew. Hey, the Giants have this kid, but he didn't. Odell Beckham didn't play his first few games of his rookie year. I think he had an injury or something was going on with him. Yep. I got him stashed on my hurt. bench. I'm like, all right, I got this kid. He's he's going to be the guy when he comes around. But me thinking way too much about things. I knew I had a, my kicker was going on by. See these darn bye weeks, Jason? I go, I'm going to drop Odell Beckham. I'm going to add this kicker right here, and then I'll, I'll scoop up Odell next week. No one's going to grab him after that. Whoops. That didn't happen because another guy in my league was a Giants fan, saw Bonehead Brian drop Odell Beckham, and then <laughs> Beckham goes on and just blazes the rest of his rookie season. And scores like, you know, 10 touchdowns or something. I would have won the championship going away, but nope, had to add Brandon McManus to the roster, who probably scored four points that week for me. So might as well go without a kicker. (laughs) All right. So enough of this fantasy stuff. I need from you just a five to one. Going from five down to one of the best quarterbacks with the best hair. Ooh, the best hair. This is funny. I watched, it was Super Bowl nine, maybe. Roger Staubach against Terry Bradshaw. And Terry Bradshaw took his helmet off. He's got the old man Friar Tuck bald spot. And I go, nobody has that anymore. The NFL has outlawed the bald quarterback. If you're going to be bald, you got to be full shaved head. There's no, you know, white guy bald spot in the back anymore. Uh, So number one, uh, well, all right, number five. I got to write this down here. So the best hair in the NFL. I'm going to go number five, Patrick Mahomes. Good hair. All the kids have that kind of height on the side, you know, faded up top. So Mahomes is going to be uh, number five. Let's see. Uh, Who else? Who has great? Justin Herbert's got good hair. Justin Herbert's number one. There's no question. Yeah, he's number one. Oh, really? You're not going with Trevor Lawrence? Trevor Lawrence? Justin Herbert's one. Okay, I'll go Lawrence at two. Dreamy Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Very Joe Burrow's got so. pretty good hair. Yeah. I'll see. You, you know who's underrated hair? Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, and he's, he's always old. changing it up. Got old now. I'll, I'll put him on losing the list. it. Yeah, but it was long though recently. I'm trying to think who else out there might have great, great hair. I don't know. Maybe this leave a question uh, in the comments here, folks. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And the uh, you know. <laughs> Email into the show who you think's got uh, some of the best hair. Tua's uh, got some the, good oh, hair. Oh, who is? He's got Jimmy that Polynesian Garoppolo. hair. Garoppolo is, oh, he's so dreamy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wonderful hair. Yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo looks unbelievable out there. I mean, this guy's a movie star. That's right. He'll be on the bench by week 10 anyway. He's like, Let's what do hurt. I care? Hang out in Vegas. That's <laughs> so true. Uh, it makes me just so mad that Oswego didn't have a football team that I could hold the clipboard for. <laughs> I've been the kicker. I've been totally fine with that. What a well, difference our college experience would have been if Oswego had a football team. 
yeah. versus just going up and watching hockey. Nothing has hockey. I mean, I, Mooney, you called a thousand Oswego hockey games, but you know, you guys were very much into it. I was never a hockey guy, so I, I didn't care. Uh, I would have loved football, man. That would have been a whole different experience. They could have had some really cool uniforms too. I could just envision, oh, yeah. you know, like, you know, the hell they would have screwed it up. They would have had like an <laughs> ugly green and yellow, just a big O on the helmet or something. Yeah. You could have the anchor and you could make this thing look pretty yes. sharp these days. Yes, uh, well, back sure. when we were in school, we wouldn't have had it. It wouldn't have been as fancy. Like nowadays you would make it really cool with some nice graphic arts, but previous when we were in school it would have been just like hideous looking like an anchor on the on the helmet just like an ugly looking anchor you know what i, I went, mean i went to the gift shop at the you know the ice arena uh just over the alumni weekend that we had for my fraternity a few weeks back and it was i couldn't believe the amount of cool stuff they had in there mm-hmm. under armor and all this stuff i'm like wow this is really nice gear so i picked up some stuff for myself and, and the wife and and brought it on home but you know, back in the day i mean have any cool Oswego gear. It was like, hey, here's a green shirt with yellow, just Oswego printed across the front. Like very basic, yes. Yeah, like John Belushi <laughs> would have worn it in, in like Animal House. <laughs> yeah, now, it's so true. Now there's hockey jerseys and you know yeah. all kinds of stuff. It's crazy. Do you own uh, an Oswego hockey jersey, Kevin? I own at least six of them. Wow. Yeah, I really? have one as well. I just have one though. I need to get myself one. I still don't have one, surprisingly. I've got a puck back here. When I took my kids up, we toured the arena. Hmm. They gave me a puck that has like the logo. It says whatever year they won the national championship on it. Uh, mm-hmm. It's like a game used puck. So that, oh, that's cool. cool. I have that. And they gave us a broken stick. So now my kids are like, oh, look at that. I'm like, what am I doing with this handle of this Easton stick? Like, uh, I just have my basement. There's even a blade on it. But if anyone breaks into my house, I'll beat you with the, there you go. the shaft of this broken <laughs> college kid stick. Some 38 year old guy who, you know, flamed out a Canadian juniors who's now playing for Oswego. <laughs> well, since we're on that topic of, uh, of Oswego, Take us through your experience with with working in the basement of Hewitt Union, working with the media centers, WTOP, WNYO. What was that experience like for you? It was great. And I wish I would have done so much more of it. I wish I would have paid attention in class, actually. Um, (laughs) Yeah, me too. (laughs) I wish I would have written for the Oswegonian. I don't know why I didn't. I came into college. And all I ever did was write for my high school newspaper, the Nightly News. Shout out to Henniger High School. And then I get to college and I stopped doing it. It made no sense to me. And looking back now, like why I didn't do that. But uh, yeah, I was uh, on WNYO. I loved the radio. I knew it was a very antiquated setup when Butch Charles had me cutting reel-to-reel tape in my radio production class. And I go, Butch, I work at W it was W H E N at the time in Syracuse. I was like interning down there on the weekends. I'm like, we don't use this. And that station's a hundred years old. They're not exactly, you know, the forefront of, of media. I'm like, don't, shouldn't we be learning about like editing on a computer or whatever? And they're like, nah, that'll never get anywhere. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm over at W W R V O. I worked at W R V O, the uh NPR station while mm-hmm. I was a pledge for my fraternity. The best part about that is you could go into their little edit bays at Land as Atlantic and Hall, right? Was yep. it RVO, yep. And you could just fall asleep. 
because <laughs> you're listening to Diane Ream or God knows what the show is, all things considered on, on NPR. Oh, yeah, I'm just going to erase some of these tapes and you just pass out for an hour. Um, but yeah, WNYO is a really great training ground for me. I really loved working with you guys uh, on all the Oswego State sports stuff. My senior year, I got to be the um, the sports director of WNYO, which was a blast. And then I got to do tons of Oswego State men's basketball games, which is really what I loved to do was play-by-play for hoops. Um, that was really fun. And my, ba- my baby up at Oswego was this wrestling show yes. that ba- by the end of it, we talked no wrestling at all. It was called Off the Ropes. And we had, I, I mean... Kevin, I think at one point you might have been in charge of this. And how we didn't get thrown off the air and, and that station just burned to the ground is beyond me. <laughs> but we were doing Howard Stern meets, you know, WWE Raw every Tuesday night at nine. And this cast of characters that I would have come in and, and work on the show with me was just obscene. I had this guy, Corey, the King Costello, if you remember Corey. Yes, yes. Big guy who I'm not sure he actually went to the college, but he was really funny. And we had him on the show. We had one kid who I know didn't go to the college because he went to Oswego High School, Sean Conway, who actually went on to work for the WWE. Very smart kid. Went to Syracuse. Ty Connor was on the show. Mm-hmm. Chris Butts. Chris Butts. Uh, and then, you know, the cast of characters we would have roll in, like Dan Mount, who, I, I Dan, I love you. God, we tormented you so much on that show. Uh, my buddy Brian Dwyer and just so many guys that came on for off the ropes, but we did have real wrestlers on. We had folks like million dollar man, Ted DiBiase, Tatanka, Legion of doom. All these guys oh, came on the show wow. and uh, we actually went to real events. We went to WrestleMania. We went to a WCW event in Syracuse where David Arquette won the championship. Um, and we, we talked to real wrestlers. So there was a part of the show that was actually real. 99% of it was nonsense. But that, that's what radio is. That's what good radio is. I yes. Guess. Agreed. It's great content. <laughs> that's all it is. Uh, WTOP. I did some sports over there, but never took it as seriously as I think as I should. And if I could go back and, and teach young Brian something, it would be do a little less chasing the girls and drinking and do more actually going to class and do more with the thing that you went to school for, which was broadcasting because mm. I never paid attention to class because I knew deep down, I go, I'm just going to be on the air. Just put me behind a microphone and let me go. I don't care about all this other nonsense that you're talking about. You know, the, uh, the BRC, whatever it didn't matter to me. I just said, put me on the, that's all that matters. Show a program director that you can command a microphone and they'll put you on the air. Well, that's there's a million guys that can do that, uh, as I found out. And if you even can do that, they don't want to pay you for it. So no. <laughs> paying attention to these other classes would have helped greatly. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. But Oswego was such a special place. I met my wife there. I uh, met so many of my great friends at, at Oswego. And uh, I still see a ton of them uh, in my fraternity. I was just up at Oswego this past weekend playing golf at Battle Island and took a spin around the campus. So Oswego's a a great place. And I'm so happy for the kids now that they can really work on high end equipment at um, whatever they call the student center these days. Um, what What is the name of it? The Mariano ice arena or something student center. 
yeah, Murano Campus Center or something like yeah, that. Yeah, something or, like that. Or did they rename it after Deb Stanley? The, or I, I don't know. I think they there. renamed the Ice Arena. The ice, so, I think, I think the Ice Deb Arena Stanley. is named yeah. after her because they call it because they I, I hear people say like the, the, the game is at the Deb or something yeah. like that. Oh, man. And I always remember, Kevin, you and, uh, you know, Hamo would call the games all the time. That was like your thing was you two calling a bazillion games together. And I, I'll never forget because I would sit in the studio and do uh, the studio for you guys all the time. And you would always the Golden Romney Fieldhouse is how you would <laughs> introduce right. games uh, up there. You guys have to have some amazing stories of the road trips and going to Plattsburgh and Potsdam and places I would never want to go in a million years. But you guys <laughs> make these trips every weekend. I mean, don't get me wrong. I would never go there without calling the games. But it was <laughs> it was a lot of fun. I would say to Kevin a few times, I was like, they better not leave without us as we'd be dismantling the uh the equipment yeah. from the uh from the arena. I'd be like, they're gonna forget about us and leave us here. The equipment, uh, good lord. Oh yeah. going to Radio Shack. And <laughs> as I was the play-by-play guy for basketball, and I don't Chris, you might have done some games with me at this point. I, I think arena. I did, yeah. And we would have at the time we thought this was high-end equipment. We would go to the Oswego Radio Shack and get a wireless microphone. That we could wow. then put on the air. Yep. And we thought we were, you know, ESPN at this point. <laughs> Meanwhile, we're running a 500 foot phone cord. That's right. <laughs> yes. You know, up the side of the bleachers <laughs> and we're using cassette tapes. I still have all the games, by the way. I have really off the ropes that wow. I've ever done. And I have pretty much every game that I ever called for Oswego on cassette. And I, mm-hmm. I had to go on eBay and buy a cassette player to listen to it. That was not cheap. You would think, oh, it's like ten bucks. Nobody listens to that. No, it was like seventy-five bucks. Wow. Yeah. You grew up, I believe, in Syracuse, correct? Yeah, yeah. Born and raised. Thought I was going to go to Newhouse until I saw the uh, invoice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And what brought you? So, what brought you to Oswego besides the invoice of Syracuse? That was it, hundred mm-hmm. percent. I went to a school in Syracuse, and they said if you get a, it's called the Syracuse Challenge. A lot of cities have things like this, where if you have an eighty-five average. And you get over a thousand on your SATs. You're guaranteed admission to Syracuse with aid, all this stuff. Great. Me and my buddy, Bill Leaf, we were going to go to Syracuse together. He ended up going. And I think you had Maria, uh, his sister on the show a few weeks back. And I know Kevin, you, you know, you're obviously very close with her. And Bill's like, I'm going to go. I'm going to do it. And we go to orientation. My father comes with me. We're at, on the carrier dome floor. Never called the JMA wireless dome. Still a carrier dome. And we're on the floor eating lunch. Mr. Drake, blah, blah, blah. This is, you know, what you're going to do. We're touring the ca- campus. Here, let's go to financial aid. They slide the paper in front of my dad. They go, all right, well, with the Syracuse challenge, you're guaranteed loans for whatever student loan, uh, student aid is not covered. My dad looks at this piece of paper. It says, by the time I get out, I'll have like $150,000 in student loan debt. He looks at me, he goes, don't sign that. He's like, I ain't paying for this. I'm an auto mechanic, uh, you know. So for whatever reason, I knew I was crushed, but I knew it was the right idea. I, I knew I'm like, I don't want to have this debt hanging over my head my entire life. No. Sight unseen, Oswego was just a fallback school. I never saw the campus in my life. I never saw Oswego's campus till the day I showed up. Uh, never went to an orientation or anything. I fully under the guise of I'm going to go there for a semester or a year, and then I'm going to transfer to Syracuse. And go back to Newhouse, but started having too much fun. And I realized the kids at Syracuse and the kids at Oswego are very, very different. 
and and Bill experienced this in his four years there, where I'm a middle class kid from Syracuse, New York. The people who go to Oswego are generally middle class kids from Buffalo, Rochester, little downstate, wherever. You go to Syracuse and it's some rich kid from Long Island, some rich kid from Boston, some rich kid from Chicago, and you just don't fit in, man. You're like that's that's not who I am. So Oswego really fit me because it, it, those were kind of my people, man. I could I could fit in with them. And maybe some of the people listening to this are nodding their head right now, you know, in their car, and they're going like, yeah, like I I found that at Oswego. I found you know people that were like me. And uh, so, yeah, that's part of the reason I loved Oswego. But yeah, that's the only reason I went to Oswego is because Syracuse is too damn expensive. You were very close with Bill. Um, yeah, just such a tragic event when, you know, he was killed by the drunk driver. And I, I think, and we, Maria mentioned this, and I know you were a big part of it, of, of the kickball tournament that came after mm-hmm. that uh, to, to help, you know, honor Bill and also raise money for a scholarship in his name. And, and it really was a great concept of, of the kickball game, because that's something that's one of the bill's last pieces that he did. Right. Um, I think about it every now and again, where if, if bill were still around today, he would probably be at ESPN or he would be yeah. doing something, you know, really big right now. No, I, I agree with that. And he was such a talented kid, uh, way yeah. more talented than I ever was. And, you know, I know he would be doing something great right now. He'd be working, you know, for for one of these companies and they'd be on TV. And uh, if folks don't know the story, Bill was a local TV news reporter here in Syracuse. He did little TV, did radio, uh, and he was my buddy forever. And in high school, we were the editors of our school newspaper and played Little League together. And um, the night he died, him and I and my now wife were out. It was the night before a Giants playoff game. He's like, hey, I'm going to go to WSYR because that's where he worked and I'm going to use their high speed internet connection to look up fantasy stuff and stuff on the giants the next day and all that. And we're like, all right, cool. It's like, I don't know what time was it? I don't know, a little after 12, maybe something like that. And so he goes, I'm like, all right, man, see you tomorrow later. And uh, yeah, a guy who was a drunk driver was leaving armory square, downtown Syracuse got on the highway going the wrong way and hit bill head on and, you know, killed him instantly. So, yeah, we did a kickball tournament to honor him for, geez, we did what, f- f- God, 14 years or so? Uh, COVID kind of put the, uh, yeah. the hex on that. Um, but, yeah, we had, I mean, I know you participated in in the past, mm-hmm. and it's it was a fun event. We raised a lot of money. It's uh, I, I give anybody out there who helps with a charitable organization a ton of credit because the first year is easy. You know, somebody passes away, it, that's, oh, everybody, they're in on it. They want to help out and all that. As time goes on, it gets really difficult to keep any sort of memorial tournament, a golf tournament, whatever it is going. So, um, yeah, it was it was a grind by the end. And we just decided, you know what? We did it for 15 years. It's kind of run its course. And, um, you know, he would have been proud of us. And he would have said enough. Let's, let's go to the bar and, and hang out or something. Well, before we get you out of here, this is a question that we ask all of our Oswego alumni uh, when they come on the pod. What is your favorite chicken patty sandwich like? What do you put on it? Uh, This is pretty lame. I would go just cheese 
Um, God, I could go to for Cooper Dining Hall right now. I loved it. <laughs> I would get like two chocolate milks and a Pepsi, and then there was some kind of like cran raspberry juice. Yes, I would get one of those. Yes. yes, that was fantastic, and it had its own little weird dispenser. And I would get a hot dog and pasta. Like I ate like a pig. I'm like 150 pounds, and I would just eat nonstop at this place, but. Yeah, I was pretty easy with the chicken patty. I don't even think I ate it with a bun. I might have just cut it up oh. with a fork and a knife and and, and ate it that, that way. Um, yeah. That, and then I actually had a chicken cutlet sub at the sub shop before I ever had a cheeseburger sub, which I think is a mistake. Cheeseburger sub blows it away, in my opinion. Uh, 100%. Yeah, there's no question. Yeah, There's no question. Texas hot cheeseburger sub, ketchup, mustard, pickle, mayonnaise. It's not as good as it was when we were there. I'll be honest. I don't know if they sponsor the show or not, but... <laughs> It's not. <laughs> not now. Yeah. Not thanks a lot. Thanks for ruining any chance we had before. Yeah. We'll, we'll send you the bill in the mail. <laughs> that was the next question, though. Oh, was it? What's the it, next? It step? was about the about the sub, your favorite sub from the sub shop. When I graduated, I lived across the street from the sub shop. Oh. And it, it was a house on bridge right next to Burn Dairy. They tore mm. it down subsequently to build this super Burn Dairy that's there now. I go in the day before graduation. And I think it's Bill Green's son was working the counter and he saw me there and he's like, what are you still doing here? And I'm like, Oh, I graduate. He saw me every day. I was buying stuff at the sub shop and he's like, here you go, kid, this one's on me. And I'm like, <laughs> damn, I should have got a full, I only got a half cheeseburger <laughs> with the fries. But uh, yeah, he gave me one, gave me one for free. So uh, I appreciate that. And it's still good. I like bringing my kids up there and, They'll get the the chicken tenders. My wife gets a sub. Uh, you know, Oswego gets in your blood, and it's it's one of those places that you always like to go back to because it's frozen in time almost. You go up there <laughs> like, man, this place from 1985 to 95 to 2025 will be the exact same place. Maybe a few of the things will change, but the same, you know, scumbag landlords will be there. The same, you know, rundown houses you lived in will be there, and. Uh, you know, Oswego will still have those same cold winters every single year. For sure. There's no question. Yeah. I haven't been back in a while. So got to go up, get up there, my man. I know I've, I'm far away now, man. It's hard. I mean, I'm That's not, as, I'm just as far as I was when I, when I was in school, but it's like, it's a trek, man. Especially when you're, especially nowadays. Now, once you get, mm -hmm. once you have families, that's it. That makes it even harder. I always thought that when we were doing our fraternity alumni weekends and we would always do them in Oswego and people would say, stop doing them in Oswego because they live in Long Island and New York City or downstate Rockland or wherever, uh, you know, people live downstate. And I'm like, I live in Syracuse. This is great. I'm here in like half an hour. I can drive home afterwards if I want yep. to. Uh, but it is tough. I went and played uh, golf at Bethpage a couple of weeks ago. And I'm like, people drove from here to Oswego like. What are they on crack? Like this is the worst trip <laughs> of all time. Why would you do this? There's got to be schools down here. But uh, yeah, I understand, man. Yeah, it's rough. It, that's I mean, I didn't live on Long Island, but yeah, it's it's a it's a longer from Long Island. It's even worse than uh than from Staten Island. Oh, it's yeah. having to go all the way over from there. I can't imagine. I don't know if I would have gone if that was the case. It's got to be some other school. Go to Farmingdale, right? <laughs> Hit the little amusement park across the street. That's too that's too close to home though for most of these people. That's the point of going going four and a half hours away. Your parents can't just show up at any moment. Yeah. My my parents never did. I would show up at their house unannounced because that's where I did my laundry. I only did laundry at Oswego once ever in my life. 
I would always pack it up and then drive it back to Syracuse, have my mom do the laundry, bring it back up. And then you guys might know this also. This is the move. Back in the day when you could still smoke in the bars when we were in college and then obviously at the, the frat parties and whatnot, you would leave and you would stink of yep. smoke. And it was the worst. I hate cigarette smoke. What my roommate and I would do is we would take our jeans because you only got so many pairs of jeans as a you know scumbag college freshman. <laughs> we would put the pants in between the window and the screen on at Hart Hall on the seventh floor, air them out overnight. And then by the next day, you know, they're, you know, blown dry and well, hopefully, <laughs> and uh, they smell a lot better. So that was like our little Febreze mm. technique. A little, little free, free Febreze. Yeah. I'm not what are you paying for the dryer in here. Get out of there. <laughs> well, Brian, this has been an absolute pleasure. Uh, we really, really appreciate you coming on uh, and, you know, giving us your expertise on fantasy football and kind of going down memory lane. And uh, hopefully we can do this again. You guys are outstanding. Thank you so much for taking the time uh, for having me on the show. You're, you're doing a great job and, you know, keep it up and uh, thanks so much. And, you know, go Lakers. All right. Well, that was Brian Drake. Uh, we appreciate Brian so much for coming on the pod. I mean, like we all said, he's a, he's a fantasy football guru. I mean, he gave you some great stuff there on uh, what his thoughts are on the upcoming season. Uh, uh, do you guys play fantasy? I have not I, like i said mentioned earlier i actually have not played fantasy since pre-pandemic um because i refused to do it in 2020 you know when there was that ridiculous season and then i just i kind of lost my spot in a league and i haven't been able to get in another one since so i would jo- i would totally do it but i just i haven't been able to find a league to get into the last time i played any semblance of fantasy football was the New York Daily News had some kind of like fantasy football, like league or or whatever, and you followed it through the paper. And Steve Young was the quarterback of the Niners. All right, so that's how long ago, wow. it was. like mid nineties, nineteen ninety four. Yes. Oh my! So goodness. it's been a while since. It was I've like when you had to do it by hand. Fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> you got the cards out, right out. Oh. Submit it. Yeah. Three wow. touchdowns times six <laughs> plus. My running backs got fifty points. Okay. Um, I got to draft Rodney Hampton. <laughs> oh my god! Three yards on wow. a cloud that of is... dust. Good lord. <laughs> Well, when we started tonight, I'd mentioned how bad I am at predicting things. Uh, I predicted the women would three-peat in the Women's World Cup, the U.S. women, and uh, they did not come even close <laughs> to three-peat. No, you're not the only one, Chris. You're not um, the only one. Yeah, Who well, that? so let's talk about that for a minute. C- can we can we criticize Vlatko and Adonofsky here, the women's coach, because – so the last two major tournaments, the the Olympics and the World Cup, the team has only won four out of ten matches. That that's not what we expect and what the expectations are for the women's national team. His is it selection five ties? is it yeah. five ties and yeah. one loss? Is that yeah. what it is? Uh, two, or is it no, because they losses. lost. Yeah, no, so they lost to uh, four ties and two losses. No, because right. they lost to uh, Canada in the final, and they lost to. I, I think it was Sweden as well. They lost the Sweden. Or Japan. Was he the coach? Was of, he wasn't the coach of Sweden. He, I mean, he wasn't the coach of the US when in the Olympics, you mean? In the or Olympics. In the, in the okay. Olympics, yes. Because yes, last time they lost was. to Sweden in the World Cup was before this run. Correct. And I forget who the coach was. 
yeah. It was a woman, right? It was Jill. Yeah. What her name was. I forget her name. But in any case, yes. So so he's lost like three or four games. I mean, it's not like he has been the greatest coach in the history of of, uh, football. His team selection, questionable. Substitutions, terrible. Tactics, even worse than that. Why are you bringing two center backs to the World Cup and only playing one of them? And dropping early uh, Julie Ertz into into center back instead of having her as a defensive midfielder who could have really helped out in the midfield because the midfield was lost. There was no connection between the back and the front. You know, I still understand why he took Alex Morgan out, though. Alex Morgan, Alex Morgan had a terrible tournament. I get it. But I mean, she had a couple of good chances. She had a couple of good chances in that game. She was she was beating them over the top a lot. Yeah. Problem is, she was offside a bunch of those times, but she yeah. was beating them over the top. I mean, so was a so was uh, you know a bunch of their uh, players up up front. But like she, if she just stayed onside one of those times, I mean, easier said than done, obviously. Sure. You know, but she she was definitely she. I didn't think she played badly in that last game. And honestly, if you wanted someone to have to take a penalty kick, I feel like she's right up there. She was. I mean, I don't want to make excuses. She looked tired. You know, I mean, she just looked dogged. I mean, but, you know, on the other hand, like if Musevic, the Swedish keeper, didn't make was 11 f- ridiculous yeah. saves, we wouldn't even be having this conversation. No. <laughs> the fact that they couldn't, they could not, one of those got past it's, her. It's amazing. Are, yeah. She made crazy saves. That crazy save on saves. Haran, that ball that came oh, through dude. the box and like How? just found her foot and How? made that save. And then there's that header by the header by uh by Morgan that she saved. Um the one that actually she didn't make the save, it hit the Oh, it's Haran. Haran's header off the crossbar. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like inches yep. from inches from going in the net. Like there was a lot of they team just had a lot of bad luck was, in that game. It was just unlucky. Yeah, it was just yeah. unlucky. It really was. Like you ran into a super hot goalie. You got a few bad, few bad uh bad bounces. In, including the last, including the winning penalty kick. Yep. You know, and, right. Well, I mean, millimeters. How crazy is that? Technology is amazing. I can't They're even, showing, I can't even I mean, believe that, it, that that was in. I can't yeah. believe it. And then all of that combined with uh, an inadequate coach that had, I mean, and I, I heard this analogy earlier today, that had all the ingredients, but just didn't have a good cook to make a good meal. Okay. I think that'll do it uh, for this edition of, Throwing Bagels, another fantastic podcast with a great guest. Uh, thanks again to Brian Drake for for joining us. Um, uh, we've had like so many great people on the show that that we've gone to school with, literally at Oswego. We work together behind the scenes or at the various media outlets, and it's great to know that that so many of our of our colleagues are doing just great things out there. So. Uh, Hopefully it's amazing we'll, how many of us have, yeah. how many people have done, gone on to do, to do things like you that mm-hmm. didn't even realize it. You don't even, you don't even realize it until you, until you speak to them. And you're like, oh, wow, look at all these people that are, that are, that are doing really good things. So uh, keep tabs on us online at throwingbagels.com. You can email us throwingbagelspodcast at gmail.com. We got um, a blog coming up next week. Uh, Whose turn is it now? I believe uh, it's my Chris's turn. turn. Uh, it's Chris. Chris's turn. Well, Very Chris, current. I'm sure you'll come up with something. Something. So you're you're a good blogger, Chris. Oh, thank you. Appreciate that. Yes, I've got some good sure. stories. So you I just kind of put them pen to paper and or keyboard to the Word doc and go at it. <laughs> 
Fingers, so, fingers to the keyboard. That's right. Yeah, that's right. All right. Bye. See you next time. Cheers. Take care. Episode 20.